Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome on in, everybody. It is Fighters Fury here on 790. The ticket token here with you. As next hour, we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing as we've been in this, uh, this realm. It's been a very, very busy time for boxing. We will get into UFC 256. Everything that went down last night in Las Vegas. We'll start off the show today with Anthony Joshua's victory over Kubrat Pulev, uh, defending his belts of the heavyweight, uh, the heavy lineage that he has. As you know, he uh, had to take care of Pulev as a mandatory tonight, which he did. Ninth round stoppage, monster right hand over the top after feeding him a heavy dose of uppercuts to really set things up. That was his money punch of the night, really. Um, Took his time. It was it was uh, one of those things, one of those, I don't want to call it a vintage AJ performance because he's only damn 30, 31 years old, so I don't want to make it seem like the guy's ancient. But uh, I think definitely got back to some normalcy uh, from the Andy Ruiz wins where maybe he was a little bit more tentative as he was in the rematch and uh, was teetering on that. Some people were wondering if he was teetering on that, but I, I just think that uh, he didn't fear the hand speed of Pulev, didn't feel like there was any volume, maybe a couple shots here every now and then, but nothing that really uh, rocked his world. I did say going into this, though, you know, with an Anthony Joshua fight, uh, I do think because he's been caught with punches and the way that he lost to Andrew Ruiz, it's fair to go into every Andrew Ruiz, uh, Anthony Joshua fight wondering if he's going to come out on top, wondering if uh, he can be had. And he did have TCB tonight because it seemed like there is a big fight on the line with Tyson Fury. And it was good to see, you know, we saw a vicious, vicious dosage of uh, uppercuts in the third round. Really went for broke there. And I think one of the big things with AJ is, uh, you know, even with him going for broke there, it still looked like he was in really, really good shape thereafter. It's not like he he put pedal to the metal completely um, up until the later rounds again. But he did not look gassed. That big muscled body, which sometimes... You know, can look like a Ferrari, but also can gas out pretty quickly. Uh, we didn't see that. I thought we saw an AJ that was in really, really good shape, uh, was really crisp tonight, and, and and was very, very impressive. And I think that if you are an Anthony Joshua fan, you're you're on that side of the tracks as far as him leading into a Tyson Fury fight. Uh, you had to be pretty happy with that because I do think that if you would have let this go in the distance with a guy that really didn't have anything back for me. You probably would have had some questions. And, that, and that's knowing that Pulev is a tough guy to put away. Don't get me wrong. But look, AJ's a vicious puncher. I mean, that's a giant body. Then, and, and when it's uh, when it's precise with it, we've seen him be able to finish just about everybody uh, and put down just about everybody. So there's no reason that should go away. And that and that is And that is going to be... You know, if he goes and beats Tyson Fury, that's got to be the way he goes and beats him. I I find it hard to believe that he would uh, find his way to go get a decision not against against Fury, just the way Fury moves. Uh, I'm sure the toughness that there is uh, to get inside Fury's reach, Fury's going to be bigger, all that type of stuff. Um, I think it's going to be tough for him. So he does need to to find that killer instinct and, and be able to have that gas tank. And I think we saw a lot of that tonight. So that was good. I think that I think from AJ, um, a lot of the questions that maybe people had going into this, uh, was he on the other side of it? Was he a guy who was mentally rattled? I saw uh, Teddy Atlas in the middle of it was saying, well, like there's still some of those Andy Ruiz ghosts in the attic of AJ. And I think, uh, you know, you heard the broadcast crew, my guy, Brian Kenny, 
Uh, he was uh, out there. He was he was bringing that up because you know he loves to bring up first first uh, first take debate topics when calling a fight. Um, but I actually thought this was a fair question. You know, is is he teetering from you know too cautious to um, setting himself up? And I think the entire broadcast crew was probably leaning towards you know he was being a little bit too cautious, but. He, uh, he knew that uppercut was there all day and night. It really was. He landed a bunch of them. Um, and the times that he didn't hit it, I mean, it was barely, it was, uh, it was nearly, it was near misses on, on Pulev. He really just didn't have an answer for that punch all night. And it, and it is one of his best weapons. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the weapon that got him the championship. So, uh, I thought a really good performance from AJ. I think that, uh, as good as you could want, Going into this unification, obviously have Floyd Mayweather in the building. I would have liked if Tyson Fury was in the building. Um, that would have, I think, put the, the the cherry on top of what could have been a a great day for heavyweight boxing. A um, couple things. One, it was awesome to have the fans back. Uh, there's no fans like the the British boxing fans. They are, I think, the best in the game. Um, and even with a thousand of them there just really liven things up. So it was great to have them back. The one thing I'll always say about AJ with his personality, he is a little bit too cool for a school, uh, almost borderlining on the, on the, uh, on the realm of a, a bit of a lame when it comes to some of his answers. And so, you know, he didn't, I'll give credit to, I guess, DAZN slash sky. I don't know who had the British broadcast. I know it was carried in America here on DAZN. So, uh, whoever was doing the questions, they did it tw- a couple of times. And um, one, I don't know why, where he's going. He's like, he was like in this huge rush. Like, I don't want to do interviews. He's like, bro, what have you been doing for the last year? You don't have a, have a, a couple of minutes to, to do those interviews. And I do think that, you know, with boxers, that that is the window where everybody is waiting with bated breath on your every word. Like that is your time. You're getting your hand raised. That's where everybody is listening to you. Um, anybody who's a fan of the sport is tuned in at that point. And so I just never get this because there is just this thought process. I don't know if it's uh, created by Mayweather. I don't know if this goes back, how far this goes back. I'm sure it goes back ways away in boxing, but like just this dismissal of the fight that people want to see, you know? And so like when, the reporter is asking him about the Tyson Fury fight. First of all, thank you for at least asking about it and not skating it like Fox did the week beforehand where they just went, oh, well, what do you want to do next? And he's just like, I want to go buy a horse. Okay, great. Like, I I just don't understand that um, because everything is seemingly you're leaving money on the table. You know, you're, you're using these opportunities. And so as many people may see you on Max Kellerman's show or on first take or on, you know, Sirius XM or DAZN or whatever, whoever, you know, if you're on our show, anybody, as many people may hear you on that, you're never going to get as many eyes as you do as all the boxing fans who are tuning in then and there to watch you. And so, I, I know I say this as a media guy, so I obviously always want the media soundbite, but I just, I, I look always as that as such a missed opportunity for fighters, uh, even the big ones, even, even the guys like AJ who have scaled the mountains. You have a monster fight here in your nation. You are fighting back in, a, in the UK for the first time in a couple of years. You have the first event there with fans, um, the first combat event there with fans. I know that they've had some soccer fans there and whatnot, but they would go bananas for you. You're the golden boy. And, you know, it's not, and you know, it's not like AJ ignored it, but it could have been better. Tyson Fury, though, he did, uh, he did answer. Uh, he got on social media. Let's hear a little bit from the uh, self-proclaimed lineal champion, the ring magazine, the WBC heavyweight champion of the world. Here is what Tyson Fury had to say. Hello everyone, Andy Joshua, himself live on television. He got asked did he want to fight, and he went around the bushes and put his hand on the edge. I want the fight. I want the fight next. I'll knock him out inside three rounds. He's a big bum dosser. So Tyson not mentioned words. He wants the fight, you know, which is not surprising. I don't know what else there is for him right now. Um, and that's what you should want. You know, you should want these guys just calling each other out. This is obviously the heavyweight championship of the world. 
It is a huge fight in their uh, their native UK, and so it's good that at least in the post fight um, that we're working towards it. So as far if like you would have graded against the Errol Spence Terrence Crawford botch job the last few weeks, A plus. Uh, could have I think been better on AJ's part. Um, to call it out. And I know that Eddie Hearn kind of saved it and says, we're going to get to work on Monday, Bob Arum or his intern tweeting out that they're going to start working on it on Monday. Start working on it on Sunday. You know, I don't know what you guys are, uh, are up to get to it. It's going to be nice to finally have an undisputed champion. You know, that is, that's, you know, the great part of it. Cause we've been on this journey really since Vladimir Klitschko and uh, Tyson Fury getting his belts taken away. And, you know, Deontay's had that WBC belt forever. You know, now it's on the shoulders of Tyson Fury, and we have a chance to finally unite all the belts and, and have somebody who is the guy. And I think it's a good fight. Um, I do think that AJ, I, I, I put him as an underdog in this fight. I, I don't know uh, if the, the fight odds have come out of that yet. Um, because, one, I think Tyson Fury does present the better boxing skill set. I do think that he's going to have some of that adjustment period um, that Deontay Wilder had to deal with as far as, you know, going in there and not being uh, the bigger guy. I think that's a tough thing for him. And, you know, quite frankly, we saw Tyson take on a Deontay Wilder and bully him. And I think that that was another gear that we hadn't seen quite from Tyson Fury yet. You know, not just the the guy who's 6'9", and can dance and stick and move, but a guy who can be an enforcer. Um, do we necessarily see that against AJ? Maybe not, because you know he, maybe he he looks upon AJ and, and sees it uh, as a bit more dangerous. Obviously, with that hellacious uppercut, AJ's got a little bit more in his in in, in the arsenal than Deontay does. You know, Deontay is kind of a one hitter quitter. He's got that right hand from God. It's the most devastating weapon in boxing. Um, but I think you saw with Tyson Fury, it just, you know, it, you give him that many rounds to to duck and dodge it. He's going to he's going to have it figured out and 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 figured a different way out to beat Deontay where he didn't really even give Deontay the space or the time to land that shot. All cheating allegations aside, of course, you know, all that, you know, loaded gloves, you know, tucked up, uh, you know, shifted up glove, all that type of stuff. All that stuff put aside, if we're going to say it was all on the up and up, which I do believe it was, um, Tyson Fury found out a way to really negate that devastating weapon from Deontay Wilder. He's got a couple more weapons that he has to watch out for from AJ. He's got to watch out for the uppercut, the straight right hand, the left hook, all that type of stuff. AJ's got um, some really, really devastating stuff, especially in closed quarters, you know? Um you know, you would think a guy like that, as pristine as he is, you know, he can he he would sit back on the jet. He really doesn't. And that, I think, could be a little bit of an advantage for him here is that if Tyson tries that rough and tumble stuff that he did with Deontay, there will be some windows there. Uh, and there are going to be some tie-ups. There are going to be some awkward moments in this fight. Uh, and I do think that AJ's got an element to, to go to some more plans. I still think Tyson Fury wins. I don't think that he knocks Anthony Joshua out. I don't think that he does. I don't even know if that's going to be his plan, quite frankly. I think he'd almost want to go in there and kind of box his socks off uh, in, in this type of a matchup, even though I know that he said in his little uh, uh, video that he'd knock him out in two, three rounds. I don't know if that's the way he goes about it. Maybe it is. You know, maybe it is, but, you know, maybe we see a new Tyson Fury. The one thing I will say about Tyson, he's, he doesn't BS a whole lot. Like, if he says that's what he's going to go and do, that's typically what he goes out and, and he does. But I think it's going to be an amazing atmosphere. The one thing I will also say with that fight is, God, do I hope that we're able to have a, a real crowd for that bout. That it's not a COVID crowd, 1,000, 2,000. I hope that by the time we get to it, which would imagine be sometime in the summer, I'm hoping that we have a, a, a place where in the UK it can be uh, it can be an absolute monster. And... I think it's okay to have this in the UK. It just, I think the atmosphere would be worth more than the absolute, uh, than the, uh, than the pay-per-view time that they may lose out in America. Um, but we'll see. I, I just think, I think that it would be cool. The first one is in England and if they're going to end up, they're going to end up doing a rematch. Maybe then do that one in, uh, 
do that one in America in in Vegas and they come over it's a shortened crowd they have the whole experience they get the American pay-per-view treatment but that country deserves this fight to be in their backyard there's no doubt about that if Deontay Wilder you know if we would have been able to get that fight uh him versus AJ then would have been a different story but we didn't I think that uh this is this is for the world championship but they are both UK fighters and I do think that the crowd would be just absolutely incredible. I think the the the, the atmosphere would be electric. I think the buildup to this fight is going to be electric. So I'm looking forward to all that stuff. So congratulations to Anthony Joshua. Uh, an impressive win. A good win. Uh, good to see him, I think, back to himself. And, you know, setting up for the Tyson Fury fight. I'm really, really looking forward to this matchup. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. And it's going to be great to finally have an undisputed heavyweight champion. When we come back, we'll get into a little bit of UFC 256 also got a guest coming up on today's program he is a welterweight title contender chris von yearden he is going to be fighting in a couple weeks on showtime against jaron boots ennis he is going they're going to be fighting for the ibo welterweight championship his only loss in the last decade is to errol spence jr so uh, looking forward to our conversation with chris and seeing what this win would mean for him if he's able to get a win over boots ennis on three weeks notice we'll continue on fighters fury after this Welcome back, Fighters Fury here on the ticket. Tobin here with you. Let's get into a little UFC 256, the last UFC pay-per-view of 2020. Um, look, you gotta first of all, just saying that uh the UFC trudged on in the midst of the pandemic more so than any other sport. Um, you know, between doing fights down here in Jacksonville, uh doing uh, you know, doing things on Fight Island. Uh, the apex, all that type of stuff. So they really did trudge on and was an incredibly difficult year. So you do have to give them hats off. They did not stop like boxing did um, under much criticism too. So, you know, they were able to keep, keep, keep it going. Um, ratings are really good for them this year. So I do think that it paid off for them in a lot of ways as well, but we uh, we'll get to some of the results. First of all, just a wild, wild main event. For the flyaway title, David Figueiredo ends up uh, walking away with his belt uh, still intact as he wins a majority draw over Brandon Moreno. Uh, really great fight between these two individuals. the The pace was incredible. Um, absolute display from these flyweights going out there and just giving you everything that they had. You know, the combinations were sick. The swift kick to the bodies, the takedowns, the scrambles, everything was fast. Um, and that's one of the things that's just, uh, that was just really enjoyable. It does feel like, um, much like the heavyweight division was uh, revitalized once Vladimir Klitschko lost his belt, it does feel like the flyweight division has uh, been hit with a jolt of lightning. Over this last calendar year, you know, between Henry Sudo having the belts, taking it from Mighty Mouse, becoming a double champion, um, you know, beating TJ, TJ Dillashaw, um, and then going about and getting this this wonderful champion, Davis and Figueiredo, has just been pretty fantastic. You know, even with, uh, you know, with him missing weight one of the times, uh, he has established himself as an absolute record machine. And then you have Brandon Moreno, who, you know, was just coming forth with just unbelievable toughness, coming forth with great combinations, uh, just a great, great scrap between the two of them. Um, and just an awesome display. There was a huge nut shot in the third round, which ended up pretty much determining the fight. Uh, the judges would have had it that way, then going Davidson Figueiredo's way. Uh, there was, yeah, there wasn't uh, an incorrect scorecard on one of them that uh, didn't make a lot of sense, and it was uh, because they read it, it. They said it was forty-seven, forty-six, and that didn't make sense. Um, it was forty-eight, forty-six. So Davidson Figueiredo would have walked away with a unanimous decision. That last round, I, I did feel like uh, he was starting to get beat up. He was dealing with the arm issue. The eye was closing up. So I did think that Figueiredo took that last round as two of the judges had. Um, fourth was obviously his. And then you had the middle rounds, which went 9-9 uh, on all directions. So everybody would have had it for Davidson Figueiredo. But 
because it was a uh, because of the, the the deduction on the one point ended up being nine nine, which uh, which cost him, which cost him. So either way, look, these guys put on a classic uh, flyweight title fight. It was really really great. Uh, I would hope that we get this again real soon. Got ourselves a nice rivalry. I do think Moreno has some ability to go get the win there as well. Um, I think he probably saw some things. And for for Figueiredo, I think it's an important one too because you know he's been kind of wrecking everybody. He got to show his medal in, in a in a five round championship fight. It's an unfortunate foul that happened. I mean, he got Brandon Moreno with a really bad groin shot. Um, almost didn't wonder. Almost wondered if he was going to continue. He was coughing up. Um, you know, and so Jason Herzog made the decision that he was going to take away the point. So it was tough. It, it was about as egregious as it gets, not on intent, but just in just impact. So it's, uh, it, it was a tough one, but ultimately I think the fight was so good. The fact that it was made a draw, you're able to stomach it because those guys were so great back and forth. And, uh, that was that. Uh, the other big stories on this card, you had Charles Oliveira absolutely wrecking Tony Ferguson in, uh, in the in the co-main event. Charles Oliveira did a couple of things. You know, it's tough where you want to go on this because there are two stories with the same result on this. And that is, one, Charles Oliveira looks like an absolute monster. He's steamrolling fools. I think, what is that? That's nine in a row now. For Dubronx, he's... Uh, he's been an absolute tear. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wins in a row for Charles Oliveira. Um, remember, he had the last fight. Speaking of the uh, the year the UFC's had, he had the last fight that was not in the uh, that was not in any kind of containment. It was uh, it was you know in Brazil, and then the the whole thing shut down. But um, you know, he's officially now arrived at the party. He is, uh, he's, he's gone from nice story on the outside looking in to, okay, now he's officially a contender. I think probably similar to what, uh, similar to like, uh, you know, what Leon Edwards is trying to do in the welterweight division, Charles Oliveira just didn't lightweight division. He had his arrival. He beat the holy hell out of Tony Ferguson, um, ragdolled him. I think that was the big story of it. You know, ragdolled him, uh, put him in some really bad spots in submission game, um, you know, striking, I'd say Tony probably got the edge on some punches, uh, but it just wasn't that big a factor because Charles Oliveira was dish-ragging him, dude, like just taking him easily and putting him on the ground and uh, really wasn't in danger and then really was putting Tony in bad positions. Um, so, yeah, as good as Charles was, and I do think that now we wait to see what happens with this lightweight division and where we go from here. Uh, I do think that he has officially stamped himself as, you know, one of the top contenders, if not the top contender. Uh, I don't, you know, if Khabib comes back, probably not going to be the guy that gets the title shot. But if there is an open title fight that's going to be coming down the line, let's say, you know, summertime, then I think he's definitely in line to get a crack of the belt. Um so all praise to him. He's definitely uh he's definitely put himself in a great position. But the other story of this is Tony Ferguson. You know, Tony, there was so much made of, you know, him talking about hard luck. He was calling out the media for him not getting title shots. And all that's well and good. Um, but it's one of those things that was interesting, you know, when we when they put up the splits of you know, the tail of the tape before the fight. And you see that age, and you see 37 years old, and you think, well, is he timeless, or is time starting to run out on Tony? And it's eerily similar to what was going on with uh, what's going on out with Tyron Woodley, where you just wonder if Tyron, with all the mileage, with all the beatings, with all the wars, and sneakily his age, even though he physically looks good, is it all catching up with him? And now we've seen Tony Ferguson in a hellacious stand-up loss to Justin Gaethje, get absolutely creamed, 
And then we saw, you know, something we just haven't seen from Tony Ferguson. And now we've seen Tar uh, Charles Oliveira dish rag him, throw him to the ground, uh, you know, almost snap his arm in, in half. And really just didn't have anything in that fight other than, you know, busting open Oliveira with, a, with an elbow. And so you're wondering with Tony, and I hate doing this quick, not to say that he's washed up, but you have to take into account, okay, has the window officially closed here? Because a couple of things, you know, this is a hotly contested division. There's a lot of guys that want to crack at that belt. I think Tony can get back there pretty quickly because of how much people respect him as a contender. But this puts him on the back burner for a little bit. It does. It's a, I think it's a big setback for him. Um, and another thing is, and they, and they alluded to this a little bit in the fight, is we in the media, I think, have always had this idea that he was going to be the ideal matchup for Habib Nurmagomedov, that he um, could do things to Khabib that others couldn't that he would find have ways to go get a win that others couldn't because of how good he is on his back. We didn't really see that. Now, in fairness, you're talking about an absolute wizard on the ground and in jiu-jitsu with Charles Oliveira, more so than even Habib is. Not better at just the pure ground game and the ground and pound and all that type of stuff, but just knowing where the tricks are. Um, so maybe there are still windows there. But I think the thing that really stood out is we've always talked about Tony's wrestling and, and you know, that not being a, a, as big an advantage, maybe. Um, and, man, Charles Oliveira just erased all that. So, yeah, I think a couple of things happened for Tony. One, I think that questions of his age are going to come up. Two, I think that he's out of the title picture for now for a little bit. Until he can uh, get himself right now. I think there's plenty of impressive names who probably are actually going to be more willing to fight him now. Weirdly enough, because he looks vulnerable. So you you think about the Michael Chandlers. You think about the Conor McGregors. You think about uh, the Dustin Poiriers. And now there's people who are like, okay, he's not El Kakui. He's Tony Ferguson. And, and, and I think that will actually help him. So he'll have, I think, more opportunities at big names, but you know, we're like Tyron Woodley. We're now seeing many rounds in a row of Tony Ferguson, not looking like he's anywhere in a fight. And you know, you're wondering if, if it's all starting to catch up with him. Mackenzie Dern took on Vina, John DeHoba, uh, really good fight between these two. Uh, Mackenzie Dern been very impressive since coming back and, and having her kid, man, she looks in in incredible shape she does not look like a one-trick pony uh even though her her trick and her submission game was a lot better than everybody else's uh her striking was very impressive especially in its intensity and and ferocity like she just went in there with bad intentions and so i think you're seeing a, a young woman really uh really blossom into a hell of a contender here at 115 um and and did so with a busted nose, she got she caught a knee in the second round, which is pretty brutal. Uh, for me, though, I thought that moment of the night, moment of the night, not fight of the night, but moment of the night went to Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland has been uh, on an absolute wrecking. Uh, he's been an absolute wrecking machine. He's now 5-0 in 2020, but his knockout over Jacare, where he, like, throws his hand out of his hip but while on the ground, right across the bridge of Jacare to essentially knock him out while they're both on the ground. It was crazy. I mean, I, st I had to watch it a hundred, like a hundred times to even understand what the hell I just saw. Um, he, I think with this year has skyrocketed himself. He's challenging uh, Hamza Chemaev to a fight next week. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's an awesome thing to do. And what a year it was for him. But that that knockout, for sure. And there was 
you know, listen, this was a tough night. A lot of, a lot of bonus potential. A lot of, I think checks are going to get written tonight. Uh, maybe even ones that aren't even announced, but just a, just a fantastic car with a lot of wild stuff happening. Uh, Rafael Fizev with his uh, knockout of Hanato Meccano. Cub Swanson had a sick combination knockout to take out Daniel Pineda. Um, Tisha Torres was able, looked fantastic. Chase Hooper, my guy, the dream. Uh, he looked absolutely fantastic. He was the teenage dream back when he was in our studios. And look at him now. He, uh, he had a Hail Mary heel hook uh, in, a, in a tough fight for him against Peter Barrett where Barrett was... Uh, Putting it on him, really hurting his leg, banging him up. Uh, the striking looked better than it did against Alex Caceres. Uh, definitely take another guy who doesn't have the experience of Bruce Leroy. But, um, you know, the way that he he, he had that Imanari role to, to get to that heel hook was really sick. And and you like that that mentality that when things aren't going good, he can still go find a way to come out of that fight on top, and that's what he did. So just a really, really great night of fights. Uh, Cyril Gaon got a win over Junior Dos Santos, too. That that led off the main card. Uh, got a second-round stoppage. A little bit of question with the elbow about whether it was legal or not. I think it was borderline um, with a, kind of a, uh, the call stands, if you will, and, uh, and not enough evidence to overturn, if you will. So Cyril Gong got himself a nice victory. He's going to be moving up in the heavyweight rankings, but uh, just an awesome night of fights, man. Uh, it was it was really really tremendous. What a way to close out the pay per view calendar year. Hats off to you know, and this year is going to be you know remembered. You know, this is going to be a year where I think we're going to see some names that are going to get let go by the UFC. But you know, some really did take advantage of this opportunity. You think of the Kevin Hollands, the Hamza Chermaevs. You think of a Devinson Figueiredo. You do think of guys like that uh, taking the uncertainty, taking those uh, those moments that have been absolutely crazy, uh, and and running with it. Maybe on even on even on the winning at all times. You think of Jorge Masvidal taking the Kamaru Usman fight on last minute, uh, you know, on Fight Island, and kind of saving the saving the whole card because this COVID thing has been crazy, and you know it's really run rough shot on the UFC, especially this last month. There's been a lot of cancellations. It's been a lot of cards falling apart and them having to hold it together. So this was a great way to end it. I thought for a pay-per-view card, you spent your money on this. You really felt like you got your money's worth because you saw a lot of great young fighters really or, or guys really entering their prime, whether it be Figueiredo continuing his reign, uh, a Brandon Moreno fighting, you know, blow for blow, literally with him. Them fighting to a fantastic draw. Charles Oliveira solidifying himself as a title contender over a guy who's really been one of the faces of the division for the last half decade. Uh, Mackenzie Dern looking uh, unbelievably well rounded. Kevin Holland probably solidifying himself as fighter of the year. Cyril Gone moving up in the heavyweight rankings. Cub Swanson still being a badass in his Cub Swanson ways. Uh, you know, even Chase Hooper being his adorable, lovable self. He's like the Goron Dragic of the UFC. What's not to love? Um, so just all of that stuff. I mean, just a, a tremendous night. Tremendous night for the UFC. When we come back, we're going to uh, bring in a guest. We're going to talk to my guy, new friend of the program, the Heat, Chris Von Yerden. He is going to be fighting next week against Jerome Boots Ennis on Showtime. So we will get to that conversation with the Heat coming up next. Welcome back, everybody, to Fighters Fury. Very excited to talk to our next guest. He is the former IBO welterweight champion of the world. Has a chance to reclaim that throne in just a little bit, coming up in a couple weeks. He's taking this fight on short notice against Jerron Boots Ennis. It is, it is Chris Von Yerden who is going to be fighting on January 19th in the main event on Showtime Boxing, which is going to be an amazing, amazing night of fights. But I've been looking forward to talking to this guy for a little bit. And I think you guys will enjoy the conversation, too. Here's my interview with Chris Von Yerden. Thank you so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. So you, uh, you, you're you, a crazy man. You're taking this on three weeks' notice. You're back in action. Uh, it, there's no sweat to you. This is like you're, uh, you're, you're, you're good with the, the, short, the short turnaround. I know it's been a bit of a yo-yo with uh, your camps and whatnot, but 
you know, taking on Jerron Ennis in, uh, in just three weeks time. That's a, uh, that's a big ask. Why, uh, why did you say yes to the risk? You know, I'm a professional athlete, you know what? I'm a professional at what I do. And, you know, it's every fighter's dream to, to fight at this level, this, this uh, of competition. And, um, I mean, showtime main event, it's, it's big, but I also live with, with, with the mindset of a lot of people in this world miss the opportunity of success because they're afraid to take risks yeah. in life. And uh, he who's not courageous enough to take risks will accomplish nothing in life. And oh, this is this is it. This is such a big risk. It's three weeks notice. Um, but this 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 is everything I've worked for seven years long. Since coming to America from South Africa, I, I, I came out here with the mindset that I will fight for world title again on the biggest stage of television. And, and this is it. The opportunity knocked. I can walk away and say no and never know. And someone else might have it. Or I can just grab it, take the risk and, and go after your dream and your desires. And um, that's exactly what I'm doing. Has uh, has this preparation for this fight? Has it felt freeing at all? Just because you feel like you are just you're, you're kind of just jumping right into it. Maybe there hasn't been the perfect plan. You're just like, hey, opportunities here, and, and maybe things will go your way. You're confident in your skill set. You know what? I'm confident in, in, in what I can bring. I know if I if if the game plan works and the guy that I know I am shows up. Oh, it's going to be a long night for Ennis as well. You know, it's going to be a long night. But how's this camp been? You know what? I'm I'm a professional. So I kind of stay in shape always. And 2020, man, let's just talk about 2020. This year has been such a crazy year, right? Yes, and absolutely. Get like this. So you never know when you're going to get it again. This is my second time fighting for the IBO World title. The first time I was successful... This is the second one, and I'm I'm excited. What do you uh, What do you see as far as taking on Ennis, uh, his skill set? Um, hey, what What do you hey. what, what do you What do you feel like he brings to the table, and how, how do you plan on stopping it? You know, he brings a lot to the table. You know, he's he's 26 and 0, 24 knockout. So he, you know, he's he's got that pop. He's um he's a dangerous fighter, but I also looked at his record. Take nothing away from any. But he's never really fought anyone on my level, um, competition-wise. And then I look at who I fought. You know, I've been in there with some some big names, tough guys. He's, uh, you know, I I just got to be very focused and stick to my game plan. And um, yeah, that's it. How have you enjoyed South Florida? I've seen you uh, in Davy at Javier Santana's Sweatbox Gym, uh, training with I'm some other guys down here. How much How much are you enjoying South Florida? Oh, so much, man. You know, I've been living in L.A. for, for, for seven years. And uh, this is completely opposite from, from, from Los Angeles. You know, this is very relaxed, beautiful. The weather is beautiful. I love the, the sound of the rain. And out in L.A., we don't do that. So um, it's nice. I really enjoy. I get, I get to focus and I get to wind down and really think about what I have to do. Was uh, was training in LA tough because you guys obviously it's much more strict in California with lockdowns yeah. and whatnot. So did that play a part in you wanting to come down here? What what led you to South Florida? Yeah, I just didn't want any distractions. You know, I I know when I'm down here, there's there's really no distractions. Out in LA, I'm, I'm comfortable. I move around, you know, comfortably in the sense of my people out there. But I came down to South Florida so that I can really just train. Eat, sleep, train. Eat, sleep, train. Eat, sleep, train. And just just no distractions. How have you... Uh, one, one of the guys we've talked to a bunch, I've talked to him since the beginning of his career, Xander Zayas, uh, the young buck. Uh, what's it like? What, what do you make of his skill set? How's he coming along? That's, hey, that's my guy. He talk, you know, him and I get back in, back and forth with it. How's he, how's he looking, uh, uh, Chris? Hey, hey he's, a, he's, a, he's a good kid. And, and skill set-wise, oh, he's, you know, he's smart. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to be something special. You know, he's a strong, strong, uh, strong for 147, young, full of life, quick, and uh, bright future. It's been, it's been a pleasure for, for him helping me. 
So your division, the welterweight divisions, obviously, it's always been one of the the, the hottest divisions in the in the sport. Um, hotly contested right now because the guy you fought in Errol Spence is is got two of the belts, and everybody talking about him versus Crawford and whatnot. If you if you you know win and, and you're successful on the 19th, do you think you put yourself back into that picture as IBO oh, champ I, as and I, and. Uh, Absolutely. If I'm successful on the 19th of December and I walk away with a W, the next step for me is is, is I really want to push for a rematch with Errol Spence because he's the only guy to beat me. So obviously I want to I want to get another shot at him. But uh, oh, absolutely, I no doubt about it. I I walk away with the, the W. I'm I'm right back in there. And you thought yourself when when uh, when that uh, you talked about you know the path of wanting to get back to a world title. Um, did did you always know what was going to happen? Was there any any ever doubt in your mind that it wasn't going to get back there? Or did you always feel like in due time you'd be back there? Getting goosebumps talking to you. Because if you know me, you know my mindset. And I'm a man of I'm a, I'm a man of faith, but I'm a visionary. I'm I'm a man of, of vision. So so I believe if I can see it in my in my, my mind, you can achieve it. I've always been like that. And the, this is the beautiful thing about this whole experience is I always knew that I will get another shot at World Title. I always, when I left my country, I left to, to, to inspire the kids back home and show them, hey, the first time wasn't luck. Like I, I can work my way back up and I can get a, another shot at World Title, this time in a, in a complete foreign country like America, which is the biggest. And I, oh, I never stopped believing it. And, 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 and the man to thank for that is my father, you know, my dad. Um, but my dad was my biggest fan, my biggest supporter. He was my best friend. He was my hero. But I wanted to, so many times, wanted to, to throw in the towel and go back home because it's really tough out here. You can imagine I'm from South Africa, a small town. I came over to America with no family, no friends, no one. And told everyone I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to get to the top again. I'm going to get that world title fight on a, on a major network. People laughed at me and it was tough, man. And and there was moments, I'm not going to lie. There was there were so many moments where I wanted to get back on a plane and go home to my comfort zone and just just it was so tough. But every time I would want to want to do that, my dad would reassure me how much he believed in me and my dad would say I believe in you. You need to believe in yourself. You need to work hard. And then I would hang out a little bit longer. And um, I lost my dad two years ago this month. And uh, I can say, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry, man. <clears throat> I can say, Dad, done it man and that's I, I'm excited I'm excited because finally everything I I, I said I'm gonna do and, and everything my dad believed in me you know I missed out the, the thing for me is I missed out on five years of a relationship with my dad back home because I was here if only he was here to to, to see it finally paying off but but I know he's with me I know I know his spirit is with me and he's pretty proud of me. I'm just excited, man, because people don't know what I went through. People yeah. really don't know what I went through to get here. I'm, 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 I'm excited. I'm excited, dude. I'm yeah. excited. Definitely can. I can definitely hear the passion about it, man. It sounds like something you've been. Uh, I mean, just aiming towards for a long, long time. Do you? Uh, you know? Do you feel that? Um, you have a lot of belief behind you because you know people will look yeah. at this and they'll say. You know, they're bringing in the veteran for the young guy who's undefeated, who has all the knockouts. Yeah. Like, you know, they're doing a test against him, but they're putting it up. You know, the odds are stacked against you because you're coming in on the short notice. And do you like that role? Do you like the fact that nobody yeah. nobody believes you? Know, you? Believe it or not, for for most of my career, I've been I've been kind of the, the, the B-side. Like, they're kind of the, the, the not giving a, a good shot. I was never given the shot to win a world title. I was never – I was I was never given – the opportunity since all of this started in the sense of when I fought the gold medalist Commonwealth champion Bongani Mualasi 
for the world title eliminator, um, no one gave me a shot. No one. I was the, I was I've written off, and I proved them wrong. Okay. Um, then I fought Kaiser Mabuza for the world title. No one gave me a shot because Kaiser Mabuza just came to America, knocked out Kendall Holt, three times world champion, and then fought Zab Judah, and then oh, I was going to fight him, and I beat him, and then you know defended it two times successfully, beat Matthew Atten, and went twelve rounds with Canelo. And just I've been I've I've, I've been always been like nah, we don't know. So so. I like I, I, it. Doesn't affect me, you know, because because to be honest, we both know if 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 that's the case, really, no one is expecting me to to do any good. They're all expecting the other guy to do better. So so no pressure for me. Like like like, but that's 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 just it. We we started off this interview talking about uh, taking risks and uh, and the reward and that type of stuff. What do you make of, I guess, the, the landscape of champs today, of, of guys who uh, feels like, you know, fans, as a guy who myself, I love, you know, consume the sport and we all want to see the big-time matchups. What do you make of it today as far as, you know, the direction of how boxers maybe are led not to take the risk or not to go up against oh, champ yeah. versus champ? But, 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 man, you know why? Like, let's, let's talk about the UFC quickly. In the UFC, yeah. if you lose, if you get an O, uh, a one, if if you lose, it's it's not a big deal. No, it it's doesn't. not a big deal. It's like hey, come back. But in boxing, we've we've created this whole thing where, oh, if you lose once, you're a has been. Oh, if you lose once, uh, you're not that good, because the fans, the the media, everyone makes that whole put put the, the, that pressure on on the on the on the fighters. Right. You know, lose once, uh, he's done. Come on, dude. What do you think love- that is, man? Because I, I, I love both sports. I'm right. a huge UFC fan and I'm a huge boxing fan. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Like, I, I would love right. to see guys just so, continue to go and not think less of them. That's it. Like, like, hey, man, let me regroup and prove myself again and again and again. Like, as long as I'm not a, you know, a punching bag. But, and, and that's the reason why all these top fighters, like your, your, your Spence and Crawford, all these guys are kind of like, you know, it's one reason, and then the second reason is the promoters. Um, um, just so much politics, but I think, I think, I think we we're gonna see the big fight soon. But um, you get me. I I, I blame the, the 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 media and the and the and the fans for putting that pressure on 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 us as boxes that oh, if you lose once, yeah. kind of done. Like, what is that? You don't see that in the UFC. Not at all. In the UFC, it's it's, it's not a big thing. Yeah, in the UFC, it's a crazy thing. Like, um, there are people talking, I don't know, you, you know, I'm sure you follow the sport, but like uh, the last lightweight championship, uh, Khabib, when he won his fight, people was wanted, if, if he did leave the sport, people want to gauge you to get the next shot, even though he lost. And it's yeah. just like, that's the mentality. Like, people are like, he, it, you're so appreciative that they put on good fights. They'd even yeah. want to see you right back in there, um, yeah. and I think that's awesome. I, I love the fact that it, yeah. it, it, it no, makes that it makes that you. kind of round robin with it. Um, before, yeah, and, and just uh, one more notice as we're talking about the big picture of the sport, Chris. You're a guy who's been out in LA. I, I feel like I've, I've seen you on Instagram with celebrities who like to uh, box. As a pro boxer, oh, yeah. you know that's a big thing right now. The YouTubers fighting yeah. uh, Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul, and all that type of stuff. You've been in the sport forever, man. Got even celebrities who are in the gym at all points. How much more do you know than them, and how much more? Can, how much do you, can you toy with them because of your lifetime oh, of knowledge oh, of boxing? Oh, oh. Well, well, I'm gonna just be straight honest. You know, these these I, I'm in I'm in Los Angeles in Hollywood, so there's a lot of actors and and it's a lot of image looking. You get these actors that come to the gym and, and try it, and no, it's it's you know, this is my job. So so no, it's 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 crazy that that. They would even think they they can beat a professional fighter, but now I'm going to tell you this: I train, I train an an, an, an actor, Frank Grillo, you know Frank from Kingdom, love which, him. Frank's amazing. Well, let me tell you something about Frank. Frank his whole life has been an athlete, and I said he was a wrestler. He was a wrestler. He did he did, did some some uh, uh, mixed martial arts. The guy's got hands. Now now Frank. I told Frank, I said, hey, if you were in your 20s and you pursued the sport of boxing, oh, you know, I can see you because because of you, you're such an athlete. 
And for 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 the age, you know, 50 plus, the guy's got hands. Not hands to do anything to an, a professional fighter. No. But he can handle himself. There's very few that can actually throw hands. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, look, uh, Chris, I'm looking forward to the fight. Thank you so much for spending time with us, uh, being so open with us. And uh, no. I don't know anybody who could listen to this interview who's not rooting for you, man. I mean, that seems, uh, you know, I hope, it's all, I hope it all gets fulfilled for you, all right? Be blessed, brother, because now I am, I'm already so happy and excited because, because I can now go and inspire the people I want to inspire, the kids. I can go and share my story and tell them how, how how I did it, like a small guy from from uh, a guy from a small town in South Africa, went all the way to America, and he did it, you know, again, again, and I and that's that's my passion. If you know me, my joy comes from inspiring people. I just wanna, I just wanna motivate people, and I and I do that by sharing my my struggle, and my stories, and my my testimony. So, on that note, man, I appreciate your time. Thanks again to Chris von Yerden for the time. Uh, really, really enjoyed that conversation. You guys could tell uh, how passionate what this win would mean for him if he's able to beat uh, Jerron Boots coming up in, in uh, what are we talking, a week's time next Saturday on Showtime Boxing. So good luck to the Heat. Uh, he is, uh, listen, we love the Heat down here in Miami. We'll root for the Heat coming up uh, next week against Jerron Boots Not an easy matchup uh, for Chris, but I think he knows that, and I think that, he also believes that he's able to get his hand raised at the end of this one as well. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. We appreciate it. We got a big, loaded boxing weekend coming up next week with Triple G in town, with Canelo Alvarez next weekend, and obviously with uh, with Chris taking on Jerron Ennis. Huge weekend for the Sweet Science as they have closed out strong in 2020, what has been an absolute crazy, crazy year. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here. We continue here on the podcast. A little bonus segment. All right, so some news of the week that we didn't get to. Uh, Logan Paul, this is funny. I actually ended last week's podcast, and I was like, you know, where do you guys stand on the the Paul Brothers news? How much do you guys want me to, you know, uh, how much do you guys want me to cover this stuff? And literally, I think after I recorded that, uploaded it, the news came out, Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather was announced as an exhibition. So, And I think I did say something to the effect of, I don't remember my exact words, I said, listen, if he ends up, if one of them ends up fighting the uh, Floyd Mayweather, I'm probably going to talk about it. But just how much were you guys into uh, throwing them in the ring with everybody else? But look, I didn't get too much pushback from it. I think everybody just knows it's inevitable right now, today's day and age, with people trying to hammer big pay-per-view numbers. I think what we just saw with the freak show of uh, the throwback fight with Mike and Roy, uh, the Nate Robinson getting knocked out by Jake Paul, I think it's just inevitable um, that it's always going to be talked about if you just kind of know where it is. This is where I land on the fight happening. I don't really uh, mind that Floyd Mayweather is fighting Logan Paul. Um, so long as people don't fall into weird expectations, thinking that Logan Paul actually has a shot. Like, you know, I don't know. I'm not one of these guys who like really hates on Logan Paul. I followed some of his stuff because Shannon Briggs was his trainer. Um, and you guys know I'm close with Shannon. I love the guy. So I followed a lot of his first fight with KSI and all that type of stuff. I actually thought that he got screwed because of that. Uh, the ref was pretty strict on him, um, which kind of effed him in the scorecards. But it's not like he went out there and floored uh, KSI in his first fight, for those of you who didn't watch it. And, uh, you know, I just, this idea that, uh, you know, anybody thinks that he's going to go out there and, and land a punch on Floyd Mayweather of significance that's really going to hurt Floyd Mayweather, I would say you're nuts, and I would say that he's probably going to get a lot more hurt than he thinks he is uh, because I think that in, in the scope of things, um, Floyd Mayweather is better at throwing punches than probably anybody he's ever faced, no matter what top-notch sparring is, no matter how much he talks about hard work. This guy comes from a, a childhood of fighting and has, and has made his wealth off of fighting. And 
I just don't I don't care what kind of grind uh, guys think that they have. It doesn't erase that. It doesn't erase uh, a lineage of work. Um, so, you know, I, look, I, I definitely will see the fight. I definitely will uh, will follow up on it. But, you know, I'm hearing a lot of the stuff from him that we heard from Connor and Connor comes from a lifetime of fighting and has all of that. And even still, uh, you know, had what you could call four rounds of success against Floyd, but really landed one solid punch that was, you know, in the scope of boxing. It wasn't a rabbit punch or something, uh, a hammer fist or anything like that. So, you know, I would have liked it a lot more. I think I, I like the fact I like the Paul brothers fighting athletes. I think that's actually a great gimmick. I think that that's uh, a lot of fun. Like I remember him versus Antonio Brown. I'm into that. I think that's that's fun. Um, jumping all the way into the deep end on Floyd. First of all, if you uh, if you get roped into a Floyd fight, it's only because he thinks he can smoke you. And second of all. Um, you know, it's just it's just naive, I think, of anybody who thinks Logan, just his size advantage, is going to overwhelm Floyd's boxing skill, uh, speed, any of that stuff that, you know, you may think leaves at 45, but, it, okay, let's say it loses a tick. You think it's going to lose that much that the gas going to get closed? I doubt it. I doubt it. So... We'll see. It should be. Uh, it 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 should be. Uh, I think a lot of great theatrics, but I think the fight will uh, will end up disappointing. But you know me, man. I'm into anything. I, I don't. I don't fight shame. I watch it all from the lowest of you know bare knuckle fighting to the lowest of MMA to the highest to the freak shows to all of it. Um, I've been around all of it. I've covered all of it, and this will be no different. But that was just funny because I was like, ah, should I call, you know, are people into this Jake Paul thing? And sure enough, uh, Broski gets the fight with Floyd Mayweather, not uh, a second after I throw uh, up the uh, the send signal. Anyway, a couple of other news and notes that we should get to for this week. So uh, Bellator made a couple of moves or they made notes of a couple of moves. They uh, They have signed Anthony Rumble Johnson. I thought that, uh, you know, I thought that he was going to come and take this heavyweight run and Dana White had come out and said this about the Rumble Johnson release. So Dana White was a little bit weird about him uh, on why it left. He did this interview on TSN about it. Uh, it's a bummer. I, I would have liked to see AJ in uh, in in the uh, in, in, in the UFC. It's good that he's going to be in Bellator. One of the things that is strange is that Bellator decided that they're not going to pick up Yoel Romero. Um, I told you last week, I think that he's going to end up in BKFC. Um, I know that his management's playing very, uh, coy on social media about it. Uh, that's their job to build some kind of a market. Cause you know, look, Scott Coker came out publicly said they're not into, to, uh, bring it on you. Well, his age is an unfortunate thing here and that it does play against him. My only argument with that to be is like, he's never been his age as a fighter. Like he's always fought you know, way, uh, way out of that realm, but I would have thought Bellator would have liked to bring him on either as a middleweight or two five. Those are two of their better divisions. And I guess not, but I still think that Yoel will find a home and, um, BKFC seems to make a lot of sense. It's not like Yoel was as great of his wrestling pedigree. It's not like a guy. I mean, most of the time he was going out there and taking care of business with his, with his hands. So, um, I feel like that would be huge down here, especially since they've done a lot of hubs down here for fights. I think it would be a really big seller. Um, he was at their last event. So that's still where my money lies, uh, and it feels like that's not quite out of the realm yet after everything that we've seen. Uh, there was some news this week about Errol Spence, Danny Garcia. The reports were that their pay-per-view did 250000 I saw that Bob Arum disputed this, um, that he had heard it was something. It was even like half that. Um, either way, either way, uh, I think, you know, I said after his Mikey Garcia fight, which did about this, uh, reported number, maybe a little bit more, that was a good debut for him at, 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 at pay-per-view, but his Porter fight was way less than that. This 
is either around the same or less. Let's just say, let's just call it the same. One of the things that's dangerous about that is like Errol Spence is, people are telling you in that case that Errol Spence is not, not many more people are tuning in and forking over their money to watch Errol Spence. So I hope that in a lot of ways, this is showing him and Terrence Crawford. Let's not beat around the bush here. So either way, I hope that this shows both of those gentlemen, these fights that PBC is doing in the PBC universe. It's just not cutting it. You know, I guess it's fine. Like, you listen, it's nothing to, I wouldn't call 250,000 buys embarrassing. I wouldn't call it uh, bad. It's fine, but it's not great. It's not, you're not a, a, you're not a huge draw and you're leaving a lot of stuff on the table. I feel like if you were fighting Terrence Crawford, um, obviously I think those numbers would do a lot better. Let's just say on the low end, I feel like they could do Manny Pacquiao, Keith Thurman numbers, which is half a mil. Um, you guys keep arguing over this split. You're talking about twice of what you guys would be doing on a pay-per-view market alone. Just so at worst, you're doing what you were doing. And that's, I think, on the low end. If you were really uh, committed to it and you guys, you know, played the media game a little bit better and, you know, you you stopped acting like each other didn't exist and you would, you know, act like it meant something to be the undisputed welterweight champion of the world, perhaps, and this is just, call me crazy, uh, I think that would equal a huge amount of buys that could surpass 500,000 that could maybe touch, you know, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder level of 800,000. Um, and then if it was a great fight, maybe the rematch does a mill. So I don't know, man, I, you know, are they going to keep fighting for their just loan, their loan slice of the pie, or should they go and get the whole damn bakery? That's just what I want to know from them. Uh, we got coming up this week. Speaking of two guys who have circled around each other, uh, and that is Triple G versus Canelo Alvarez. They are sharing a pay-per-view weekend. They are going to be uh, both fighting coming up on this weekend. You have Gennady Golovkin, who is going to be fighting against Camille Sarameta, uh, Sarameta uh, at the Hard Rock, Hollywood Hard Rock. So he's going to be fighting down here. And I think that Triple G should get this win. And then you have Canelo Alvarez, who I would say has a lot more on his hands. Take it on Callum Smith, which is for the super middleweight championship of the world. Interesting in a couple regards. One, you know, he gets that, I think, a, a little bit more of a legit crack at the 168 crown, um, which he definitely was seeking because the two rumored guys on his brief free agency that was going to fight were Callum Smith and Caleb Plant. So certainly wants to solidify himself at 168 there as the, as the man. Um, I think the big question out of this is going to be what does Canelo do if he does come out of this victorious? Uh, Golovkin, you know, I can't say that Camille Zarameta, uh, I can't say that exactly gets my rocks off. I'm excited that it's down here. Uh, so I'm glad that we're getting to host Triple G, even though nobody is allowed in the building. Uh, it's still cool that, that Gennady Golovkin is going to be here. And it's cool that they DAZN's doing like this double header weekend I think I dig that uh seemingly are trying to put them on a path to fight each other uh you know DAZN has has had a, a pants tent for that fight for a long long time so I'd imagine that they want to get that done um uh, that's you know one of the reasons they invested in Canelo so much to begin with but look if Canelo does become the 168 champion if he does beat Callum Smith he's gonna have a lot of options at his fingertips as he does already um and hopefully he's going into a 2021 where you know gate isn't as big an issue as obviously it was in in 2020 and um you know now he's kind of in this roving contract of instead of having all these fights locked up and you knew that uh, you felt like he was gonna be locked up in the zone now he's in the spot of oh i'm uh you know i could go to pbc i could go fight the charlos i could go fight caleb plan i could Stay in the zone, fight Triple G. I could fight Demetrius Andre, all that type of stuff. Billy Joe Saunders. 
he'd have a lot of stuff at his fingertips. So I do like the fact that Canelo is a bit of a, a, a roving piece in the chess chessboard here. Um, and, and I hope that Gennady Golovkin looks real good in this fight. You know, I want to see a little bit of what AJ did today. I know that Golovkin is a little bit longer and the tooth a little bit older, but I would like to see, you know, the Sega Destroy guy uh, go in there and take care of uh, of Zarameta a, a lot easier um, than maybe what we've seen from uh, from Triple G in, 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 in uh, a little bit past. But look, he's undefeated. 21, uh, 21 wins, 16 knockouts, and Golovkin, you know, he's had some tough ones lately. He's, you know, his last one was against Derevchenko. A lot of people thought Derevchenko should have gotten the nod there um, and just isn't really the seek and destroy guy that we've seen since his win over Kelbrook. Just isn't the same guy, and I know that kind of sucks because you're also doing that in two disputed fights against Canelo Alvarez, and how different would the world be if he probably should have had his hand raised in the first fight. Second fight was more debatable. I thought Canelo edged that one out, but he definitely had an argument for that fight. So it's 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 twofold. Like you look at it and you say, oh, this guy was seeking and destroying everything back in 2016. And now that he is, what are we talking about? Canelo, uh, Triple G is 38 years old. Um that maybe it's just past his prime, but then you think about it, and if he would have gotten maybe at least one of the cards that he deserved, we probably would have a much different feeling on where his career is right now. So maybe uh, maybe a trilogy fight will avenge it, and you know maybe he'll end up having the storybook ending. You know, I think it could be a lot like uh, Manny Pacquiao versus Juan Manuel Marquez. You know, where you know I thought Manny won the first fight, I thought Manny won the second fight, but they were disputable. Um, Third fight, you know, probably the most egregious that went Manny's way. Uh, I think at best he could have hoped for a draw. And you had a nude Marcus there. And then eventually he juiced to the gills and knocked Manny flat out. You know, he had that moment. And he hasn't ever come back. And I actually respect Juan Manuel, uh, Juan Manuel Marquez for that. That, you know, he, uh, you know, he finally, after all that bleep talking to Manny, got the moment that he always wanted his career, and it really couldn't get any sweeter than it could than that. So I think for Triple G, if he were to end up getting one more fight against Canelo Alvarez and beating him, and if he really could do it and take it out of the hands of the judges, if he could finish it, that would be one of the sweetest ends to a career ever in boxing. It really, really could. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening there. That's our bonus pod uh, segment for this week, everybody. Talk to you later. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.